The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and of course past performance does not guarantee future returns. Nau mai, hoki mai, kia the fold, e mihi nei, ko Duncan Grieve, toku ingoa. Uh, my guest today is John Tapu, who is the, man, I don't even know what he is. I assume G- GM, he, he is the, the dude behind uh, Carver Bowl Media, which is a new-ish media company that is um, that is set up to take Pacific stories to the world. Um, and... This is a, I, I love this episode. I must confess that I, I didn't didn't even know what John was about until a few weeks ago when I heard that this show, The Ditch, um, which has been it's a rugby league show um, with emphasising the sort of Pacific and Maori whakapapa of the of players in the NRL, and you know that that it had been sold to Fox Sports, and I was like. Oh, sorry, what? Because this doesn't happen. Like to be clear, like we make a bunch of sports shows in New Zealand, and they air here. They don't go anywhere. That's what's normal. And so for the ditch, which started a matter of weeks ago, to be sold to Fox through the NRL out to um, Pacific uh, community channels, you know, out out in the Pacific, it's it's pretty extraordinary what what they've achieved there. And if you watch the product. You can see why it's happened. It's it's hosted by Chris Key and Savannah Tafo Levy, and they're very young and but but wildly talented, and and they just have this like beautiful informality about them that that absolutely doesn't get in the way of a really funny but also heartfelt um, package. So I, I read that and I was like, this is this is this is not a small thing and um looked into it and and everything i see about carver bowl is just, is just fascinating they have predominantly worked in in sports production in terms of uh, on the screen side and sold multiple shows to to sky sport which is actually where where john worked for for uh, over two decades um, before before leaving remortgaging his house to to start um to start carver bowl and what he did was he built a studio in his backyard and in his garage, and and as a result, you know these huge stars um, in the Pacific and Māori world have walked down his driveway and given some of the best and most uh, sort of relaxed or at ease interviews and reflective interviews of their careers because they're in this this location that um, you know you go to Sky and as John discusses, it's quite an intimidating place, but what they what 
that what he gets out of them there is amazing. And I, I you know, I'm certain that we're just at the start of of seeing what what he can do there. And he has this incredible vision for building the the paramount of the South Pacific out of out of his garage in Mangere. Uh, so we we talk about that and really about what what he's trying to build there. I think it's a it's a really interesting discussion. I'm, I'm sure a lot of those listening will find will get a lot out of it and will see what he's doing and and how it is. You know, a lot of the we 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 think of them. You know, in, in terms of us as as quote unquote mainstream media as um, as really hard problems to solve. And yet you hear to hear John talk. Finding the talent and setting them up to succeed is—it seems like it's the easiest for him, and the hardest part is actually um, engaging with with channels and networks and and getting those things funded. So um, we talk about that. And we also talk about Mr. Cowboy, who's an artist I hadn't heard about until a few hours ago. And now I'm obsessed with this this Samoan country singer with a with a voice from God. Real fascinating story there too. Look, there's a lot in this one, um, so I'll let you get into it. But yeah, this is John Tapu from Coverball Media on the Fold. Falofa, John, and uh, welcome to the Fold. Falofa, bro, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, also, really nice to meet you. Man. Yeah, same yeah, guys, same awesome. guys. I'm such an admirer of this uh, this enterprise you're building out, uh, Coverball Media. I wonder if you could uh, just tell me what led you to founding it. Yeah, Cowboy Media is um, it was us, a, a team of uh, actually relatives. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of a guy named uh, Professor Damon Salisa. I have, yeah. Yeah, so he he's a cousin of mine. He's now vice chancellor. Yeah, at the UT. first ever uh, first ever Maori Pacifica uh, vice chancellor uh, in New Zealand's history. So we we kind of hang out, and he's the kind of the brainiest guy in the family. And uh, he said to me, "Man." Um, you know, you've um, you're quite a talented guy. Why don't you um, put your hand up and and kind of plug some of these holes that are missing in terms of uh, representation for our community? So I said, hey, I'm not scared of a challenge. So uh, I mortgaged the house and converted my garage into a state of the art studio thanks to the the support uh, of my lovely wife. That's such a beautiful thing, and and you know. Good on your wife for, for backing you too. These things are not, you know, that, that's often uh, what's required to get get something that's that's audacious off the ground. One thing which I've I've sort of noted through um, through looking at what you do is that it feels very very rounded and diversified. There's a lot of the time with media, people stick to this narrow thing, but you've got like books of poetry and music and uh you know and like sports tv shows like it just feels like there's it's about involving people with what they're good at and figuring out a way to take that to to various markets is that fair yeah look um someone asked me you know JT what what do you do for a job i said man i do whatever's possible to make sure that we are able to to move the the needle for our community i uh this morning, I, I got up in the morning and, and dropped off some jib board uh, to my cousin, who's uh, doing a bit of building. Uh, I help him with a building company. I also have a, uh, a little recruitment company on the side as well, and also run this this media company that I'm really passionate about. And the reason why I'm doing all these things is um, we, we are not just, we don't just, Pacifico or Māori people don't just have this struggle or these hurdles just in media. Uh, for me, the the front line is in employment, 
And that's why I thought, look, um, anything I do, I, I look at it holistically, you know, whether it's music, whether it's uh, uh, creating sports shows, or whether it's doing, um, going on road with the shades to do a, an opera show uh, up and down the country, or whether it's dropping off jib ball to my cousin because he needs to help build a house in South Auckland. Um, all these things are very much relevant, and, uh, uh, and that's where our community need to be active in. So, so tell me when you founded it, and and how's how's it gone for you? Like the the process of building out something into, you know, to, to willing it into being, and and to doing it from literally from your home. Yeah, look, um, I, th- I think you hit it on the nail there. Willing it to be, hey, um, you, you wake up one morning with this burning desire, this deep burning desire that eats away at you day and night. This says, John, you need to do this, and you're like. Ah, go away. <laughs> you know, why are you talking to me, man? I just want a nine to five, right? My life's cool. Hey, I uh, eat chicken whenever I want. Uh, I don't need this. I don't need this responsibility. Um, but people are different, and uh, I I firmly believe with, with our team, we have this calling to really make a difference. And to answer your question, you, you wake up, you draw a line in the sand, and you say, look, um, I want to make my own shows, and the first thing you need to take is sovereignty. Sovereignty is when you're not walking into anybody's building, you're not having to ask companies if they you could use the editing system. You know, can I borrow an editor? It, sovereignty starts if you own it, and if you own it, the rest will follow. And that's what I was desperately wanted to do. And as I said before, I borrowed money from the bank, converted my garage into a studio. Um, and I invited people to come and say, look, if you work with me, we don't have to look over our shoulders and ask people whether we can use this or book a time slot. And that's been really one of the key things. It's not, A, having ownership, and secondly, being in the community. Uh, we're not in Queen Street. We're not in, you know, Great North Road. We're in Mangere, right? So when I work, I look outside the window and see my neighbours mowing their lawns. I can... I can see uh, my Tongan neighbour hanging her washing. And for thousands of years, my ancestors are programmed to work in community. We live in houses in the islands that don't have walls. So it's natural for my eyes, for my lens, to live in that environment. And that's really contributed. All these little elements have um, contributed, you know, uh, whether it's organically or accidentally, into creating really authentic content. One thing which, I mean, I'm not sure if it was the the intention with it or or whether it was a very happy side effect, but I think I read an interview with you where you talked about how Sky, you know, have been a, you know, their previous employer of yours and have become, I I think, a very good client in terms of some of the stuff that you make. They offered up their studios for for you to make some of their shows and you were like, you know, for some of my Pacific people, when they come through, they they put on this what you described as their job interview voice, <laughs> and whereas when they come to your to your garage or, or, or to your to your house, it's a it's a whole different type of conversation. You feel that coming through, and the and the, the type of content, and the and the insights that you get from, and the performances you get from your talent. Yeah, uh, Duncan, uh, at Cowboy Media, one thing we have a real specialist in is trust. You know, uh, and I'm not saying that uh, our Māori Pacifica people can walk walk into building big buildings and elevators and feel inferior. No, you know, chances are we probably built that building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
but it's trying to to make them feel at ease. And one of the um, uh, stories I share with many people is for years, I'd see the Warriors or All Black Boys uh, come into Sky TV and having to drive down this long driveway and scan in and walk down these long white corridors and then go into a studio that had a four or five metre high ceiling. It's an intimidating place, It's really guys. intimidating. The whole yeah. setup of it, you know, you feel like you're somewhere, you yeah. know, no matter what. So they'd put on their job interview voice and they'd be walking like they're walking through immigration, you know. <laughs> and it's and I'd say, bro, I was just real cracking jokes in the car park. Hey. That's the, and that's the performance yeah. you want, but you can't get in you that location. You can't get in there. But it's not. But even white people have that problem when they walk into the setting or this model because, mm. you know, that's how it's programmed, right? So if a middle-class white guy is nervous, well, what chance do we have hey, of us telling our stories? So it's never authentic. So you just get the, the run-of-the-mill standard questions, standard answers, right? And then people think that's just how we think. So I thought, look, um, I'll convert into my garage in a place where people feel very comfortable and uh, we had a show called Pacific Brothers and Sisters that rated, you know, it went gangbusters and Sky was hosted by the great, amazing Oscar Kitely. And we had, um, you know, Dame Valerie Adams talking about her men- menstrual cycle. We never went there, but she was comfortable enough to bring these up. We we actually had to kick Frank Bunce out because he didn't want to leave. <laughs> you know, we were like, hey, bro, uh, it's time to go. <laughs> you know, we had to kick Israel Adesanya out because he just didn't want to leave. Right? Incredible. So why would you want to leave when you're in the community? When you're at ease. When you're at ease. And that's the problem, right? It's not that we feel inferior. It's just that we have to go and find people's truths and find innovative ways to make people feel comfortable because at the end of the day, we're all people. It's interesting as well because I I think that you were touching on it there is there's an informality that that comes across through the shows. I mean, they obviously have to fit a format, you know, they're – 22, 22, 23 minutes in various segments and so on. But, you know, like I loved an, an episode of The Ditch that I was watching this morning when, uh, you know, they, they put up the oosh.kiwi URL and uh, A, just the name of it um, felt very, like, authentic to the show. But also they were like, well, you're advertising a thing that doesn't currently work. Um, and and instead of being, like, embarrassed about that or, or, like, getting uptight, it was just another excuse to have a laugh. And... There were so many moments where the the kind of typical structure of a show of that nature was subverted by an, an informality, which which came across as kind of warm and, and humorous. And I can imagine for talent who might have been on a bunch of shows like this before, but never one like this in this place with this kind of value set palpable throughout it. Yeah, and uh, look, I I'd like to you know acknowledge Sky for for really giving us trust and. Because when you sat down and I said, look, this is the plan. Uh, I need some money. I'm going to make it in my garage. And can you just stay out of the way? Mm. You know? And then they said, sweet. And for a big corporate to realize when, I mean, they're on the, they have a share price. They have, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, employees. This is a big corporate for them to say, hey, man, this is, we can see the rain. And JT and Carvel Media saying, the rain's coming, and we need to listen. Yeah, uh, and for them, and for these things, for you and I, to to talk openly and say, "Hey, we're changing the format. You're trying to," it's because someone is, is allowing us, and also acknowledging that this is the way forward, right? And uh, let's be honest, five or six years ago, I probably wouldn't been able to do that. You know, 
I think that's a, that's a great point you make, and and I think it's something that the whole of the the sort of more traditional media is is sort of struggling through at the moment. Is you know a lot of the things which was considered sacrosanct, uh, you know, in terms of how you approach things or who you might commission to make it. A, they're not delivering you the same results anymore. But B, they don't. Uh, you know, you you like it's been revealed what it probably was the whole time. There was a level of artifice there that we didn't really have to do it that way. So, I, you know, I do admire Sky a lot for, obviously you had the existing relationship, which would have helped, but ultimately what you described, which is give us some money and trust us to deliver something for you, that is not how this industry typically operates and that does create barriers towards new entrants coming in and trying something different, which is what they desperately need and they know that. Yeah, the... Uh you know, whether you, you know, this might come across as inflammatory to some people. They they call themselves gatekeepers or hurdles, right? Uh, the way I got around it was I worked at Sky for 22 years and had these real strong relationships and people that were in the decision to make power. I've been to their kids' birthdays, you know. I had lunch. I, I probably still owe them money for lunch, <laughs> you know. So these are genuinely, I, I know their secrets. I've driven them home, you know, you can't put that on a spreadsheet, right? So when I went and spoke to them, I didn't talk about what was in front of them. I talked to them about me, right, about us and what I can bring and how they can trust me, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad that it it had to take all my years of relationship just to get this over the line. It shouldn't need to be 22 years. It shouldn't years. need to be, right? And it shouldn't need to be because you and I know very well there's 100 other more talented people than me who are smarter than me. I don't know about that. But they don't have those relationships. So yep. so where are they going to go, right? And that's what you can be in some respects is, is an ability to kind of connect to that community who have all of that talent but they don't necessarily have the relationships and you can allow for them to kind of get through doors that might otherwise be closed to them. And uh, and that's kind of what, what feels like it's happening. The thing that's really beautiful is that the reason we're speaking at all is because you know, Sky announced that The Ditch, which is this fantastic um, league show about, you know, which, which looks at really the people behind the players and their, their whakapapa, their, their, who, who they are and how they connect to, to their communities. Um, and it's also just really funny. And and like just like a great watch, but you started out making it for for Sky and for Prime, and it's playing in prime time. Like seven PM on a Friday is is huge on on, on Prime, but but now it's been sold out to uh, to Fox uh, to to Kea, which is you know their streaming platform. Like this thing is now really really accessible to to a broader Māori and Pacific uh, diaspora. Tell me about that show in particular, how it came about, how you staffed it, and, and now this next stage, because that's that's an enormous achievement. Yeah, the the ditch, uh, again, for me, was, was quite obvious. Uh, it, it came to me during uh, the lockdown, and one thing we learned from the lockdown uh, was our inability to travel so freely to Australia and visit our relatives uh, gave us this uh, this desperate urge or desire for family. I miss you, you know, I want to see you. But also from a cultural lens, uh, when a Pacifica person goes to Australia, we never say, I'm going to Australia. We say, I'm going to see family, right? So we never, ever see 
you know, uh, um, seeing these, these uh, what do you call it, um, these borders, because to us they're invisible, right? Um, so when I came up with the idea to do the ditch, it was like, how can we acknowledge our relatives um, on that side and over here? How do we acknowledge Pacifica and Māori and our contribution to this 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 growing sport, you know, uh, the NRL is uh, Southern Hemisphere's NFL. It's huge and it's growing, and our representation is getting bigger and bigger. I think close to fifty percent of the of the competition in Māori Pacifica. But you right? don't see that in the wraparound coverage of the game to no, anything like you don't that extent. See it. And unless unless you see us hold, the only time you hear us hold the mic is when we get Player of the Day, you know, or we get comments or you know, the big hit, or you hear them mispronounce our surnames, you know. They have no problem pronouncing Trebojevic, right? <laughs> but but they can't, you know, pronounce our, our Pacifica and Māori names. But the way to change that is to normalise seeing more and more brown cultural content, you know. Um, and that's how you change uh, people's attitudes towards culture and um I just saw quite obvious that that wasn't happening. Um, you know, yeah, it, it's just at board level and governance level in the game, we're, we're very um, underrepresented. And I thought the best way to, to kind of raise these issues is um, by creating a show that really uh, puts us up there. And thanks to the success of the show, we're the first ever sport show that Fox have ever bought off Sky. And it's long, and it's made out of my garage. And I think people go, "Hey, JT, that's amazing." I'm like, "Bro, it's just normal for us, you know." The fact that you think it's amazing is your prejudice towards us, right? Just give us the mic, and I'll show you. I'll tell you where the rain's coming from and when it's coming. So, I mean, part of what makes the show successful, I think, is is Chris Key and Savannah Tafo Levy. Like they're they're really really spectacular hosts that you've that you've found in those two and what we are to tell us about that sort of talent acquisition process because that's really like it, it's something that that you know that people often talk about the extent you know just just how much talent there is in South Auckland they act like in a way like it's it's completely inaccessible and some of you know and I think obviously what you're doing is is proof that it's not inaccessible if, if you're there and if you, um, you know, and I think that's probably a, a big opportunity that, that exists for, for Carver Bowlers to continue to build that out and to be that connector because the fact that you can walk into a sky and hopefully more people will see what's happening with sky and go, okay, well, that's, there's, there's something yeah, more there. Yeah, uh, Chris, I, again, you know, it's all about relationships. I've known Chris for many years and worked with him at Sky and he left Crowd Goes Well and, you know, I like his style, uh, I like his... Uh, personality, his demeanour—he doesn't doesn't uh, mind, you know, being the butt of jokes. But he's highly intelligent, and he's also a fan. He's genuinely a fan. Yeah, you can he's, feel he's, that. He's like a kid, and um, players players love that because they're like, this guy's actually looking at me like I'm the cure to cancer. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, he clearly has that that deep knowledge of the code and all the intricacies and like the things that he recalls. You can't do if you're just like. You know, doing a bunch of different shows and just slot it, just yeah. filling up. You know, and I think getting the right talent is is key to to anything. You know, um, so if if you were to get an expert, experts talking to experts, and that format doesn't work because you're like, well, 
you know, it's a battle of, you know, my dad's bigger than your dad. <laughs> uh, and with Savannah Tafau Levy, she started on Pacific Brothers and Sisters. I remember three years ago getting an email from her saying who she was and she'd been trying for years to try and get into media. And I said, hey, look. Um, and she sent me this long, long email. And she's really brainy and I don't like reading. <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't. But I got as far as probably like a third down and it just says I'm from Otara. And I said, no, nah, that's, that's your own mate. <laughs> I, and I said, what street? She said, the street. And I said, hey, I know the street. That was good enough for me. And uh, she did really well, Pacific Brothers and Sisters, as a field reporter. Uh, and when this popped up, I tapped her on the shoulder and said, hey, look, I think you'd be perfect for this. And she said, JT, man, I'm not scared of a challenge and I won't let you down and won't let our community down. And here she is, 10 eps in and... The whole world sees her, and uh, I'm really, really proud of her and proud of her family. Should be, you should be. Um, so the the you know you you are right now a production company. I don't want to talk in a, in a bit about the ambitions that you have for it because they're 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 not small, and I, and I really really I, I appreciate that. And and you know the, the what you've done in terms of the way that you've gone about it in terms of basically making private sales um, between uh, which go direct from Carver Bowl to to Sky is that's unconventional. Like the, you know, a lot of the you know, most of the bigger productions that are made here go you know, through an intermediary like predominantly New Zealand on air to to the client, and yet the and as you said that 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 creates barriers, um, which which I don't you know I think that. Anyone would look at the products you've made now and say that those barriers shouldn't exist um, for you. But when you look at the, the sort of evolving landscape of um, screen production and and its distribution uh, in New Zealand, you know, do you do you think that you know have you had any contact with the New New Zealand on air system and and what what are your thoughts on ANZPM, the the kind of merged the you know hybrid yeah. that's coming? So back to you. To answer your question about how the, the relationship with Sky came about, and, yeah, back, back to being unconventional, I said to Sky, look, if you want our stories, I am just a caretaker, right? So I don't own them, right? It's much deeper. It goes beyond. It takes us all the way back to the cosmos. It's really important that you understand that. No one owns this stuff, right? And I've got this huge responsibility. And if you want access to our IP, whatever that means, or to our stories, I, I need you to show me your mana. And right now your mana is showing me, giving me money. Because in today's world, money is mana, right? And I don't want funding money. I want shareholder money. I, it needs to hurt, right? Yeah. And need, you need to go find. And if I find out you're getting this from some kind of funding, then you disrespect the process. Right. Give me money that hurts that you take out of your shareholder accounts, right, that hits your bottom line. If you give it to me, then the whole process is blessed because it starts with the purity that when you look at me, you understand what I'm doing, right? But if you're looking for funding from somewhere else, we'll always be on the back foot, right, because you've, you've disrespected the whole process, right? And they understood that. And right now it's really hard for businesses to have money, but they understand it. And I'm again, I'm just grateful that they, they gave me the respect and the trust. And they looked me in the eye and said, JT, we'll back you. 
And what happens as a result? It goes on Fox, it goes on KO, it goes on Digicel and all the islands, right? Mm. And how does, that, how does that start? It starts because you believe in what I told you. This is the process and this is what happens when you do it right with integrity and you understand our spirit. And that's what I believe in. So, so d- does that mean that if you, that you are not open to, to working with New Zealand On Air or, uh, on, on another platform? Or, or, or is it that you like the fact that the initial contact should, should come on a trust basis where it's real money being exchanged rather than something that you've basically outsourced the money side uh, to this intermediary? A hundred percent. Right, of course we need the 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 uh, support of New Zealand Air. Right, I'm a taxpayer. You're a taxpayer, <laughs> right? Sure. Oh, and, and we want results, right? But the initial thing, if you're going to uh, lobby or go into partnerships or corporates, they need to they need to see this as a strategy. They need to see real importance, right? And how do they do that? It's just by going, look, we're going to invest in this. And now that we've done these projects and they've done really well, right? If you, please contact Sky and they'll, they'll give you the analytics on it. You know, it's, they, it's kicking people in the teeth, right? But the next step is like, look, um, this has done well. H- how can we take it to the next level, right? So, uh, so, and that's where we're at now. Oh, congratulations! It's, it's it's an amazing achievement. Do you see like what what is your relationship with other um, sort of players in the in the Pacific Media area, the likes of Coconut or Pacific Media Network, and do you see that within this, you know, this huge new state sort of sponsored monolith that's coming down to us, do you see opportunity there or do you, you know, I've spoken to Don Mann on this podcast, he's a little bit concerned about how that thing will interact with some smaller entities. Yeah, look, uh, I, I really uh, like the stuff that they're doing, but as you know, these doctors and these doctors, you yeah. know, you, you can go and get a degree and then get the qualification, but not all doctors are the same, right? Where I see, see our content is if you're on the coconut and all that stuff and all those platforms, it's great because there's a highway there for people to consume it. But where I, the world I, I, I delve in is how can I talk to middle-class New Zealanders mm-hmm. who are desperately after this content and they're not on the coconuts on the world, right? Because if I go down that route, I'm still niche. I'm just the fastest on the street. I want to be the fastest in the world. Yeah. Right? And right now my world is living in this diverse country that is a white country. And back to the analogy that I use all the time, Duncan, is I grew up in Ōtara and my favourite show was Country Calendar. You know, I never missed the ep, man. My whole family, you know, wearing our lava lovers watching this farmer put up a fence and we're like man this is awesome right so if I can love this stuff because I understand these stories were about community were about them continuing family legacy right being better people and really celebrating the human spirit so if that happens to me and happened to me in the 80s well why can't I create our stories and share it with little Nigel and Nelson so that's the idea is is you would love to take what you're doing now and, and you know, you view opportunity in, in ANZPM and this merged TVNZ, RNZ. Yeah, 100%. You know, uh, how can we um, share our stories with the world in the platform where, um, you know, white people can consume it? Because I know for, I went to Auckland Grammar. All my 
all my best mates are white. I remember when my parents died, the first guys who turned up crying at my at my doorstep were, you know, boys in BMWs, and their parents had uh, had their names on buildings. These are, you know, these are beautiful men, right? But statistically, they were, say, hey, just because you live on that side, prejudice goes both ways. And I'm just so blessed that I was, at, at the age of 12 or 13, I got to experience the dominant culture and and experience it for myself, that if we just hang out together, hey, if we just hang out, man, the world could be a better place, and that's what I'm trying to do. It's a true fact, and, and it's a beautiful thing that you're taking that connection that you established at that time and uh, transmitting it into opportunity for your community and, honestly, opportunity for the guys in BMWs to to kind of solve for some of these things, which they just have... Yeah, I haven't been able to for long periods of time. Oh. And uh, one thing I do lots in summer is I make sure I take their kids to, to Mangere Pools, right? And I said, hey, look, man, I can't guarantee you that, uh, you know, I could give your kids the jaws, but one thing is I'll, uh, at a young age, I'll program their lens not to fear us, right? And yeah. uh, when they see us walking down the road, they don't need to cross the road, hey. And it starts by sending them to a sea of brown kids in a pool and hang out there because once you do that, right, that's kind of stuff you can't teach in the classroom. It's true. It's true. So the um, one of the other things that you do at Cover Bowl is, you know, you've talked about, um, we've talked about Sky, but another client of yours is Deloitte, uh, which, you know, is it's one of the big kind of accountant consultancies. Uh, how did that come about, and what what does that strand of work represent to you? Yeah, so Deloitte, they, uh, there's a couple of partners there. Shout out to uh, uh, Lisa Tai and Amy Dove. They're uh, uh, both Sa- uh, ones of Ratuman, one Samoan, and um, you know, working class backgrounds, and they're partners at Deloitte. And again, um, change only happens when it happens at the top. You know, it's true. that's just how the world works. And they saw some opportunities where uh, where they could uh, call on our marketing services to create content that will help uh, get the likes of the, the next crop out of university to come and work at, at Deloitte. And I was able to, to create some marketing material for them, some promotion uh, that they use for acquis- ac- acquisition tools. Uh, and it's been really, really successful. It's just beautiful to think of Deloitte, this you know, giant, one of the big four firms kind of procuring um, Carverbo, and that, that will have flow-on effects for, for them. That, uh, you know, that, that's a really meaningful um, and beautiful thing that they've done. Yeah, and let's be honest, uh, they should have been doing this years ago. <laughs> of course, of course, but you can only start to, yeah. you know, yeah. like can't, can't, can't do anything about yeah. what they should have done years ago, yeah. but they can do something about it now. Yeah, and I'm glad uh, the, the sisters are, are waving the flag for our community, but also for our country. And, you know, I, I sit here, you know, always saying the P word, Pacific and Māori, uh, but I'm also a very proud Kiwi, and we all are. Uh, but it's unfortunate we have these, uh, I don't know what these words are to describe our, our, you know, our being, but we're all on this beautiful island just trying to make it a better place. Yeah, well, that's, you're absolutely achieving that. Um, before, before we like go, I just, there's a couple of, of, of projects that you've done, which I, which I think are sort of, they feel outside of your you know, core experience, but uh, really sort of seem fascinating to me. Well, the first is uh, Mr. Cowboy, who I'd never heard of until I started researching this podcast, but he's a Samoan country singer, 
really masterful sound, just extraordinary voice, um, singing in both in Samoan and, and in, um, in English. And and this thing is getting millions of views. Like, this dude is going places. What, what's, what's up with that? Yeah, so I was actually, uh, if you don't mind me telling the story. Please uh, tell the story. I was in Germany at the time. Uh, my, my wife is German, and I was chilling out, and I missed three calls from my cousin. And he's usually the cousin I ring when I want something, right? <laughs> so for him to ring me, I was like, either someone has passed away or it's really important. So I rang him back, and... And Nelson said, hey, cuz, there's this guy in Samoa who's really good at singing country music. And he sent me the clip, and I go, is that for real? He goes, yeah, that's, that's his voice. And he's So I flew back from Germany, and then I flew over and saw, saw this kid. And I said, what's your story? And his name is Sam Kuhn, and he calls himself Mr. Cowboy. And I said, why do, they, why do they call you Mr. Cowboy? And he said when he was seven years old, he entered a, a talent quest, and um the, the MC asked him, what genre of music are you going to sing? But the MC didn't know the name for the genre is country music. So he just said in Samoan, you know, and then obviously said, and next is Sam Chukun singing uh, Mr. Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so everyone thought, oh, his name was Mr. Cowboy. It's a sick name. But the guy was like, he didn't know the, the name for the genre. So Sam... Uh, He's a weird one. Uh, we always kind of joke about it that when, when God made him, he just got dropped off to the wrong island <laughs> because his father was massive into country music. Um, but Sam is a student of country music. You can hear it. Yeah. So, this, he, so this is like wildly authentic. Yeah. And he, he, we'd hear songs on the radio and go, oh, the original was sung by such and such. And it was like, who's that? So I, I just think he's just he's an odd dude, but it's the oddity. It's the juxtaposition of it all that, again, makes you question your your prejudice, which you know is a word that I hate because it's, or, sorry, or, or unconscious bias, which is an excuse for racism. But it's, yeah, and it feels like the, the very fact of him sort of challenges so many preconceptions and also speaks to that, um, you know, it, it's almost like the inverse of, you know, like the country calendar thing or whatever, him taking this like really like super, you know, this this kind of very produced Nashville sound, it somehow traveling its way to the islands and then it's coming back here and, and ultimately going around the world on YouTube. So we went to, uh, yeah, we, we got invited to Tamworth, uh, which is the biggest country music festival in the Southern Hemisphere. There's 300,000 people over two weeks or whatever. And uh, they were really polite and they would say, hey, John, uh, you don't know us, we don't know you, and we'll put you on these stink slots. You know, <laughs> like, hey, man, we'll take whatever, you know. And um, after the first slot, everything else was sold out. People, I I had a real moment where uh, we played in front of 11,000 people and afterwards because we didn't know after, you have to take photos afterwards, right? <laughs> and we had this, like, it was like over 200 metres, of people lining up, and they're all white farmers wearing shorts, you know, real, like, prop. these, like, look, these white people and these, like, white outback farmers, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. They take it to a whole new... I've never seen so many Toyota Hiluxes in my life, <laughs> and they came up, and one guy said, mate, we drove five hours to see you sing, right? Oof. So I'm standing there, I hear it because I'm standing on the side, so Sam goes quiet, and, and I kind of get all teared up, 
you know, and I said, you know, this is what happens. This is what happens when we're given opportunities to really connect. And music is really powerful. And at the end, we got approached by Sony Music. Uh, their chairman flew me and Sam over twice to try and sign us. And we said, and this is why I think Sam Chukun or Mr. Cowboy is my hero, because we're sitting in this boardroom and they say, mate, if you if you take this take this up, you, you'll, you know, you'll never have to worry about bills again, right? So I look at Sam and we're sitting in there. And like, so is this in Australia? This is, yeah, so the, this is a chairman for all of uh, Asia, you know, big, yeah, like big mass, yeah, massive deal. So we had a little break and then I said to Sam, look, uh, if we do this, right, uh, you, you could build your house because Sam's, it comes, you know, the, the struggle is real. I said, you could build your your family a house, we'll be set up, you'll be set up. But I said, there's also the other option, right? I don't know many Pacific Islanders have been flowed or anyone to sit with a chairman of Sony and look him eye to eye and have him grovel over you. Hey, we walked in and all the TV screens had his picture and name, and I was like, bro, that's a hustle. Yeah, yeah, they've done this before, right? The security, what put me off was like, we walked in and the security guy knew our names. You're like, bro, we're part of your script, you know? (laughs) So, but I get it. That's what happens. um, It's a level of like respect and desire. Yeah, desire. They see see you, but it doesn't mean that you have to go along with their plan. But I'm like, hey, man, James Cook also did that to us. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. I think we read this book, buddy. Yeah. So we, uh, I said to Sam, look, we have an opportunity to say to them, we'll only sign this deal if you create. Sony Pacific. So that way you take all of us, right? Because if I come and we just look after ourselves, then we've missed the point. But we had to manner up for our community, for our people, for our village, for our ancestors. And then they said, look, we'll go back to New York, see if we can start Sony Pacific. Because if you start Sony Pacific, it's eye to eye. You're not raping and pillaging us for our stories, right? We have partners, you know? And then they went away and they came back and they said, look, New York said, we can't start because Sony, they've never done that before. I said, hey, look, we'd really like, we need the money. But we came with nothing and it doesn't matter. We'll we'll find a way. So I looked at Sam and right now, you know, Sam's father passed away last year and um, they don't have a house and they really want to build one. So we're going on the road again um, in, in October to Tamworth to try and fundraise some money to build him a house. But it was Sam that, because Sam could have easily said to me, John, nah, man, i I got to look after number one. But when you're Pacific Islander, number one is... It's a lot. It's a lot. And you have to understand that when you're you're walking, when you're talking, uh, when you go to work, but also when you're making media. You know, it's, it's not about, it's not about you. It's about everybody else. That's beautiful. So... In terms of where where you're headed, there's this phrase that you used in uh, Steve Kilgallen's excellent uh, profile of you on, on stuff, which uh, I encourage anyone listening who's curious to know more to, to to look up, where you talked about the the paramount of the South Pacific, which uh, well, tell me what that phrase means and and where you'd really like to see this going into the future. Yeah, I there's a reason in. I, and I, I like to, I'm quite philosophical about these things, Duncan. Um, my, and as you, as you know, 
you know, Mangere was a the fruit basket for Māori for hundred, you know thousands of years because of its fertile land. My garage is actually on the on the foot base of Mangere Mountain, right? Uh, my garage is on this fertile land, and I truly believe that even in this day, Māori are looking after us through these stories. There's something powerful about my team and myself understanding that um, we're able to to make so much noise and with very little runway, with very in such a short space of time. And I say to them, man, someone is looking after us. There's no accident that we're on this fertile land. And we acknowledge Māori and our relationship with them. And back to to the whole Paramount thing, I'd really, while I believe Carvable Media will be a home for our Pacifica uh, content makers because they have no home to go to. The, the point of entry into getting into media or getting into, into, into the industry doesn't exist for us, right? We're scared. <laughs> we, they, where mm. do we go? Um, and I said, look, don't be scared, man. There's a place down the road that you could actually walk to, right? And I'll show you the vision and I'll hug you and I'll love you and I'll show you how to make great content, right? Um, in an environment that we're really comfortable with. And we're the only guys that when we make stuff and we're editing and filming, we have to stop because my kids run in or my neighbours mowing the lawns, you know? It, it's real, you know? And we need that as as human beings um, to experience that. Oh, it's uh, it's it's honestly such an impressive thing, and uh, yeah, really, really excited to to see where it goes. And thank you so much for coming up here today on the fold. No, thank you for having me, and uh, I wish you all the best. And also proud of what you guys are doing. Thank you. Oh man, thank you. The fold was brought to you by the Spinoff Podcast Network, together with Daylight. It was hosted by Duncan Grieve, produced by Ti Hair Butler, with production management by Rachel Maru, and series production by Jane Yee. Kia ora e te iwi, Te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.